Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, get ready to be amazed. Put your hands together and make some noise. It's showtime! Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again for another broadcast of Doing Business with the Star Maker. With me today, I have Mr. Ryan Silhan. Ryan, go on and introduce yourself. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I am uh, professionally the regional manager for Element Risk uh, Insurance Agency uh, on the independent channel uh, out of Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, on the nonprofit side, I, I uh, am the ministry partner specialist. I do fundraising development for Cedarbrook Camp in Pennsylvania, uh, youth camp um, serving kids aged uh, 6 to 18. Excellent, excellent. So I wanted to have Ryan on today because he has several unique perspectives on many things that I feel would be pertinent to our program. You know, this program is designed specifically for the business owner, the business leader, the startup uh, owner, the uh, or the experienced business owner. But there are certain things that we're all going to need at some point if you intend to be a leader in business. All right, so to that end, Ryan's here to talk to us today about having good culture, and team building. All right, so Ryan, I guess my first question for you here is, what are the characteristics that you look for in a good employee or a good coworker? Yeah, so the no matter what the job entails, what the role is, I want someone who uh, fits in and, for lack of better terms, plays nice in the sandbox. Uh -huh. Someone that uh, you enjoy working, sitting next to, to. They're collaborative, uh, they're innovative, they're fun to be around. Uh, someone that can put their head down and work um, is a self-motivator. Uh, you have to have some skill set in any job, but uh, if they're coachable and teachable, um, the sky's the limit with them. So I want someone that uh, professionally, um, I want to be around. I want to sit next to them, I want to carry on conversations. They're people that uh, can interact well with with clients, with team members, with leadership, um, just good people uh, that add to your company. I like that. That's a great answer. Uh, as a business owner myself, that those are very much what I look for. Also, somebody that's coachable is a that's a that's major, major. Um, yeah, nobody wants to work with a know-it-all. What are some important things that you consider that you consider important? Uh, what do you consider to be important when you're building your team? Yeah, so we talk a lot about um, getting the right person on the bus. So we have roles and we have jobs and we have responsibilities today. Uh, but most, like most business owners, uh, especially startup businesses, you have um, plans and dreams of growing and continue to grow, continue to uh, have your business thrive. I look for people that can fill a role today, but grow into other roles tomorrow. Right. Uh, so that kind of goes back to that coachable, teachable part. Um, are they good people that want to put their head down and grind and grow? Um, so it's got to be a good mix of filling and checking a box today for a role, but forward thinking, are they, are they groomed and trained for leadership roles? Are they going to grow with us? Um, you know, are we going to outgrow them? If, if that's a yes, it might not be a good fit. Uh, are they going to outgrow us? That I actually look forward to because that means that we have opportunities to grow 
and create a space for them to stay with us, uh, which we've done, uh, you know, specifically talking about element risk, we've done a handful of times over the last couple of years, and it's been great to see, and we're going to continue to do it. Gotcha. So you're, you're a really big pro- proponent of uh, promoting from within them. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, I mean, my whole career, um, I've, I've, I, wanna, I want people to have a purpose in their job and not just a paycheck for their job. And usually that means challenging them to grow into different roles. Um, you know, I think back to a banking career and had 21 promotions in the eight and a half, nine years in Ooh. banking. Um, all internal promotions, all to different levels of banking. And, um, and it's great. So, yeah, I, I actively look to promote from within, invest in my team, um, and, and make sure that they're being fulfilled through their job. Right. I can speak from experience on this one, y'all. But uh, once upon a time, I was Ryan's best hire. Facts. <laughs> best hiring decision that Ryan ever made was your boy a couple of years ago. We won't get into that right now. Well, maybe we come back to that at the end. But um, have you ever had a situation where you maybe you interviewed somebody that you liked or you ran across somebody that you liked, but they might not have been a, so they might have been a good fit with the company, but maybe they wouldn't have been a good fit for your team? Yep. How did you handle it? Yeah, so we've had a couple instances um, recently, and then a couple uh, thinking back to, again, the banking days. Um, I, I, I mentioned it when we first started uh, talking about getting the right person on the bus. Part of that process is also getting them in the right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. So we, we, look, um, we look to hire the right person. Are they a good culture fit? Do they make our company and our people better? Do they make our clients um, more uh, more comfortable and uh, more loyal? Um, maybe they're not in the best job, in the best seat when they first get on the bus, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll hire the person versus the role any day. Um, so I, so to answer the question, what have I done in that situation? Um, it's, it's really painting the picture of what what are your opportunities? Right. You may have to do this for six months, mm-hmm. for a year, but here's what some of the opportunities are and give us time. We need this We need this done today. We need this role fulfilled today, but here's what we're thinking about down the road. And there's a level of trust on that, right. on both sides, right? For, for the team member, you have to take the trust that, hey, they care about me, they wanna grow, they want, uh, there's gonna be opportunities down the road. Mm-hmm. And for, the manager or the business, you gotta. There's a level of trust that they're gonna do their role. Be patient. Trust you to coach them and give them guidance and hold them accountable. Right. So it's there's a lot on both sides that help balance that. But um, you know, I've I've made I've made some some really good hires. <laughs> Steve is one of them. Um, I've made some some poor hires because I focused on the role that was needed at the time. Mm-hmm. I think back to some times in banking where we were down three, four, five different positions and someone who was breathing with a pulse walked in the door and <laughs> I said, Hey, when can you start? Um, and you know, I, I look back and realize that, you know, it, it's got to start with everything you do in your business, in your leaderships and whatever. It has to start with the person. Uh, they have to be able to connect with you. They have to be able to connect 
um, themselves with your passion and your business, mm -hmm. and you have to be able to intentionally pour into them and want to see them succeed. Not your business succeed. You want to see them succeed. That's a big one. That's a big one. Now, you mentioned a good culture fit. Unpack that for me a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, over the last decade, maybe even more, you everyone's heard about corporate culture. Corporate mm -hmm. culture. It's the buzzword. There's, um, there's different... Um, descriptions and pages on their websites and there's manuals and it's in the employee handbook and you know there's a lot on paper but culture is the day-to-day -day in how you how you present your company your business to your team mm -hmm. so how do they feel coming into work how do they feel when they leave work right um, culture's always been a, a, a big thing for me um, I want my team to enjoy Coming to work, um, I want my team to enjoy the people they work with. Yep. I try to create an inclusive and an honest and open and vulnerable team where we're adults. Yeah. You got something wrong, let's talk. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't want you coming to me and then I have to go to some. Hey, let's get in the room and let's talk. Right? And uh, we, we won't get into details, but Steve and I ha even had some of that honest conversation oh, yes. at times oh yes right um, and we're human so we're not all going to get along mm -hmm. but what i do require is everyone respect each other right personally and professionally mm -hmm. so culture is the day-to-day -day. it's not it's not a handbook it's not you know six bullet points on a whiteboard um you know we we have a fun atmosphere where you feel good coming into the office or at least i like to think we do yep um you know, some of the some of the things I'll, I'll speak a little bit directly to some of the stuff we've done at Element, uh, if you if you don't mind. Go ahead, bro. We uh, we made a big change this past year where we now have um, for team members that have been there for longer than a year, which is most of our team, unlimited PTO. Nice. So what does that mean? <laughs> you need a day off. You're an adult. Take a day off. You want to go travel with your family for a week, week and a half, two weeks. Go do it. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't want to say, well, you have three weeks. You have four weeks because what happens a lot of time is those two, three, four weeks get stockpiled until Thanksgiving and this, you know, the last six weeks, everyone's taken off. That's right. You want a day off, go take a day off. Mm -hmm. You want to work from home a day because you know what? You're just not feeling it. Go work from home. Um, but culture is an intentional thing for the leaders in business to connect with your team. Um, and I use the word team very intentionally. Um, I rarely, uh, and it's usually by my mistake if I say employees, mm -hmm. I, I use the word team because we are a team. I have goals. You have goals. Yep. Usually they line up. And if we're both hitting our goals, we're both going places. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, culture, I, I could probably talk for the next two hours on it. But, you know, in a nutshell, it's, it's how your day-to-day -day intentionality with your team presents itself. Good, good. Excellent. Excellent. So... In that vein, um, do you find that diversity is important? Um, is, is the, do you find diversity to be important when you're putting your team together? I do. And I, I, I think there's um, a, a bunch of different ways to look at diversity. Hold on, hold on. My bad. Now, before y'all reach for the stop button on this, because I know how certain individuals can be when the D word is brought up. 
but we're, we're going a certain direction with this conversation. I need y'all to be open-minded and just listen to what my man has to say. All right, good. Thank you. My bit. Um, I think that there's, you know, to your, to what you were probably alluding to <laughs> and almost, uh, well, lately over the last couple of years, um, probably a worse buzzword than culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to I like to think of diversity um, in many different ways. Um, so you have the person, you have the characteristics and the personalities, mm-hmm. right? You probably don't want you know we have sixty four team members at Element Risk. You probably don't want them all to be Ryan, right? Right, because you're not probably going to get a lot of work done. You're going to shake a lot of hands, kiss a lot of babies, but you're probably not going to get a lot of meat and potatoes, client facing work done, mm-hmm. right? You don't want uh, an 64 overly analytical people, right? You don't want 64 100% sales-minded people. That's a fact. So when I think of diversity, I think of um, diverse roles, characteristics, personalities that mm-hmm. come to the table. Yep. That formulate a solid team. I also think of diversity of opportunities, how are we creating opportunities for everyone, right? Not necessarily just checking the box to say we did this, Mm -hmm. but how are we intentionally looking for opportunities uh, for the the advancement of opportunities for everyone? Right. Um, And that's that's where I think the mind shift is for a lot of folks is um, presenting yourself intentionally to give opportunities for everyone at the table, right? We, we, I'm going to use the analogy a lot today, and, and I use it a lot in everyday life. The seat on the bus, right? Where, how am I intentionally looking to fill those seats, right? right? I don't need everyone sitting front and center right behind the driver, right? You mm-hmm. think about a plane. They spread the weight out on, on non-full flights, right? Yep. Can't have everyone sitting right behind the cockpit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, we need different people. And we also need, flipping the script outside of the professional space, we need different people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't need, um, <laughs> I don't need folks that have uh, all been in the same uh, economic circle their whole lives. Right. Because their experience and uh, how they view things, how they, um, make decisions is going to be totally different. I need, um, I need folks that come from all different walks, all different areas. And just speaking holistically for business owners, if you want your business to grow and thrive, having 10 people at the boardroom that just agree with you and have come from the same circle as you or have the same mindset of you, it's not going to grow your business. Mm-hmm. You need people to think outside the box, have different experiences, have different uh, beliefs, and that's what makes businesses grow and thrive and continue to innovate. Agreed. Agreed 100% with everything you just said. Um, How does diversity positively impact uh, workplace culture? Because we're talking about culture a lot today, but how does diversity positively impact workplace culture? If I can share uh, a non-workplace moment that sure. just happened about an hour ago. Sure, go ahead. Uh, for, for those of you in the um, Clayton area of Delaware, 
you may or may not know Keys Bakery. Mm -hmm. uh, I was privileged to have a little taste testing with Stephen and some of his uh, colleagues and folks in the community. And um, Naya made an unbelievable, unbelievable sweet potato pie. <laughs> now, Steve is laughing, but that was my first time ever having sweet potato pie. I grew up on pumpkin pie, right? I say that, why is diversity <laughs> important? If I only ever had sweet, or excuse me, if I only ever had pumpkin pie the rest of my life, I would have missed out on one of the greatest desserts that I have ever had. When we don't have diversity or think about bringing others to the table, we miss out on some of the best things potentially in our lives. I talk nonstop about that pie for the rest of our afternoon together. <laughs> I was serious when I said I will never go back to pumpkin pie. I will have sweet potato pie the rest of my life. <laughs> it was that good. I would have never known it if I wasn't invited to the table. Mm -hmm. Diversity is, is important for your culture. Um, some, of the, some of it's repetitive from what I just said in regards to uh, th having different thoughts, different ideas, different innovations for your business, um, having checks and balances for your business. You may have great ideas, but the timing might not be right. And maybe someone who you, you know, if, if again, everyone looks, thinks, and acts like you, that checks and balances may not be there. Someone may have a different experience and they say, ho, ho, now's not the right time to do that. It's a great idea, but you're six months too early. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, that was a great idea, but you're six months too late. Um, so it, the importance of it is being able to, f to see your business full circle and see the full vision of it uh, and not just what's in your experience box. All right. What what might you say to people who, because there's a certain contingent of people out there who are going to say, I don't care about diversity. I just want the best available person based on merit and nothing else. What do you say to those people? Some of that's some of that's true. Some of that is uh, accurate. But where I would I would answer that question with a question. What what are you building? What are you building? Are you building a bunch of people that uh, are head down grind to grow your business? Mm -hmm. Are you growing a bunch of people that say, yeah, I love that and agree with everything you say? Are you building, are you building a legacy? Are you building and pouring back into your community? It, it, does it go beyond the four walls of your business? I'm very philanthropic in different areas, and, and it's a passion, so I don't expect everyone to have that same mindset. Right. But you need to answer that question yourself as a business owner. What are you trying to build, and what's the legacy you're leaving? Mm -hmm. Are you building something so 40 years from now you sell it and you're, you're good? That's on you. That's fine. A lot of businesses are built that way. Right. Or are you trying to have something sustaining that a century from now it's still there, or it's grown, or it's tripled, 10, 10x. What, what are you trying to, what are you trying to build, and what are you trying to leave? Um, so yeah, I, I, I can understand, especially in in the the job market right now. You know, you the there's a lot of open positions and not a lot of candidates. 
That's a fit. Right? So I can understand how someone says, I just need someone qualified. Get them in here. Mm-hmm. But what's going to keep them there? That's the question. My bad. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, I, 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 I knew you were waiting for me to say it. But in all honesty, what keeps them there? That's culture. That's diversity. That, that's inclusion. What keeps a team member? You can hire anyone. Right? I, and I say that a, a little tongue-in-cheek. But you can hire anyone to fill a role. They're qualified or they're looking or you, you just need a warm body. What keeps them there is the big thing. What motivates them? How do you connect with them? Right? If, you're, if everyone in your business is like-minded like you and you try and hire someone that's not, what's going to keep them there? Right? So I think diversity is important for growing and sustaining a business. Because at some point, if everything is just like you, it, something, something's going to hit a crossroads where you don't, all of the you's don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the best way I can describe it. But the, what, the biggest question you have to answer if, if, if you're thinking, why is it important or I just need somebody, is what are you building? What, what's your end goal and what are you trying to leave behind? All right. My man's dropping a lot of gems right now, y'all. Uh, how do you, so as a leader, as the business leader, how do you resolve conflict within the team? <laughs> um, so this is, this was a, this was a growing point for me in my career. So I, I, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I despised conflict. I still don't like it, mm. but I despise conflict, especially in the workplace. And I would I would let a lot of things fester and just push them off and let it go and hope that it didn't rear its ugly head or hope that it would just time would heal it, right? Yep. And where that stemmed from is my first role in banking. I started off as an entry level banker, mm-hmm. then a senior banker, and then a uh, the the branch manager all in the same location, so I was there for three years and finally um, finally got uh, the manager position. Well, amongst those three years, I made a lot of personal and professional relationships. So the the when the time came that I was the manager, I. Uh, it was really hard to, to hold people accountable and to face conflict head on. <laughs> right. So I learned pretty quickly. Um, because you but, were just their coworker yesterday, now you're their manager. Exactly, exactly. Um, so it, it presented a great learning opportunity for me. Um, and it flipped, it flipped into, into future roles. But, you know, the, the main concept that I have with my entire team is you're all adults. I'm not a micromanaging uh, manager. I, I clear, concise expectations, and let's follow up and talk about it if there's if there's roadblocks. I'm not going to stand over your shoulder and watch everything that you do. Mm-hmm. What I will do though is make sure that you have the tools and resource resources and clear communication as to what needs to be done. But when there's conflict. Just like you're an adult to do your job, I want us to be adults to handle conflict. And that means the first thing I will do if there's employee, team member to team member conflict, 
which doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. But when there do- when there is, say, hey, did you sit down with that person? <laughs> well, no, I, I, you know, no, they, they did. Hey, hey, did you sit down with them? No, I emailed that. <clears throat> emailed did them. you sit down with them? <coughs> Excuse me. We 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 get so reliant on send a quick text. Yep. Send me shoot me an email. It's really it's really hard to connect as a human via email. You can read what is being said. That's a fact. But sitting here face to face with you, I can read your body language. Mm-hmm. I can make eye contact with you, right? I can see if you're engaged and you care about what I'm saying, or if like, hey, when is he gonna shut up? <laughs> That's the first thing I ask. Hey, when was when when did you guys sit down and talk? Oh, we haven't yet. Sit down and talk. Let me know if you want me to be a part of it. We're adults, right? We are adults. Um, so th- my my biggest way of dealing with conflict is sitting down and facing it. <coughs> Excuse me. I promise I'm not choking him, yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that it sounds so simple, but a lot of leaders don't like to head, hit it head on. We like to try and avoid it and hope that right. It takes care of itself. Yep. All right. Um, now, I know that you're a pretty big basketball fan. Facts. College basketball, pro basketball. <coughs> um, in basketball terms, walk me through your team. So, for instance, my center is my sales guy, and he does X, Y, Z. My customer service people are my small forwards, et cetera, et cetera. Walk yep. me through your team. Yep. So I have, um, it's a little different in, um, in our, in our agency because we have really two, two different roles that I manage. Um, you got anybody in particular you want to shout out? Feel free. I probably will. Um, but I have, um, the ones that I directly manage, there's two roles. Account managers, those are service, mostly service-oriented people. Mm-hmm. And then we have producers who produce and write new business. There's a, those are the sales-oriented uh, people. Yep. Now, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk a little bit um, globally in the whole team that, that not necessarily report to me. But, um, but I think about, in basketball terms, the coach on the court, point guard, Mm-hmm. The most important role in the game. Who's controlling the tempo? Who's bringing the ball up? Who's calling the plays? Your point guard is your coach on the floor. My coach on the floor um, are, are my seasoned account managers. Those are the ones that if I'm not in the office, if there's a, a client issue, if there's a carrier issue, mm-hmm. Those are the ones that say, hey, I got this. Hey, I understand this. Hey, I've been through this. Right? Those are the coach on the floor. Yep. They're helping other team members get better. So speaking globally, my point guard are my experienced people that can speak for me and probably do it most of the time they do a better job than I do because they've been around it long enough. Gotcha. Right? They are also the ones that anticipate changes coming that I don't always have to be the one to tell them. They anticipate, right? A point guard, that, that coach on the floor, those star team members, that they're, they're the engine that make it go. Those are the ones that can anticipate changes, roadblocks, hurdles, um, market pushback, whatever it might be. 
That's your point guard. Mm-hmm. I think of the shooting guard as the sales guy, right? He's the one that wants to take the shot or the sales gal as well. Mm-hmm. He or she is the one that wants to take the shot. You're looking for opportunities to score. Oh, that's your boy all day. All day. You're creating space to score, to thrive, to write business, to close deals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, it could be interchangeable with that small forward or power forward, depending on how what their skill set is. Yep. But normally, plays a run for the shooting guard. Screens up at the top of the key, roll off the screen, mid-range jumper, mm-hmm. right? Out of bounds play, three pointer in the corner. Your shooting guard is your sales guy. That your 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 marketing team is developing strategies for your shooting guard, for your sales team to close business. Small forward, that is your utility guy or girl. Okay. Right. That's the one that hey maybe may they're your you know maybe fifteen points, eight eight assists a game. Couple of rebounds, mm-hmm. good quality minutes. Maybe maybe they're coming off the bench a little bit. We'll get to the sixth man in a minute, right? But they're the ones that can do a little bit of everything, right? I think of some of our smaller offices that don't have six, seven, eight, nine team members in them, mm-hmm. right? They have two or three or yep. four. Some of them are the small forwards. They do a little bit of everything. They keep it all together. They're right in business. They're servicing existing clients. They're taking care of carrier appointments. Your small forward's your utility guy or girl. <coughs> Excuse me. Power forward. Those are the ones that I think that, that want to get in and, and, and get your hands dirty. Get a little bit physical, right? Some might think that's the center, but I'll get to that in a second. Your power forward, you want to get in. You're boxing out. It does all the little stuff right. Right? You set the screen at the top of the key. Right? You're taking the charge in the paint. Mm-hmm. All the little stuff that doesn't look great in the box score, right? but makes a, a difference to your bottom line. Right? So I think of like our, our, uh, some of our operations team, the ones that um, help with our systems behind the scenes, the IT folks, right? <laughs> the... the marketing team that looks at the analytics and not just the flashy mm-hmm. um, social media. They're phenomenal as well, but the ones behind the scenes that do the dirty work to make everyone else look good. That's your power forward in my mind. The center, man, it's it's tough because, you know, Steve, when you, when you and I were growing up, the center was the position. Yes. Right? And it's, it's starting to come back a little bit with Embiid and Giannis and... Stop. So Come on. There's maybe four good big men in the maybe. league right now. Maybe. <laughs> maybe four good big men in the league. Right. But basketball is supposed to be played from the inside out. So I was looking forward to see who you were going to put into yeah. the centerpiece here. Yep. So I think that um, I think that the centerpiece is there's one or two people in every small business that everyone looks to. Yep. That everyone goes to for anything, no matter what it is, to say, hey, I'm having trouble writing this business. Hey, I'm having trouble closing this business. Hey, we've tried to do this marketing. Hey, what are some things for our systems that could be a little bit better? That one person that just knows how to get things done and to support everyone else. (coughs) Excuse me. That's what I think of when I think of the center. 
the one that supports and is the go-to guy or girl in your organization that is well-rounded enough to do the job, to support the job, and to encourage growth in the job. Now, when I think of, uh, you and I were talking a little bit before this, the sixth man, right? Lou Williams won sixth man of the year like three or four years in a row. Mm -hmm. I think of someone who is hungry and still trying to find uh, their role or knowing their role and filling it really quite nicely. We talk a lot about having a bench in our organization. So as we promote, as we grow, we have people right away say, hey, we've talked a year ago. We, you know, we went out to breakfast three, four months ago. We now have the role that we had talked about. You ready to make a move? That's who I think of with the six man. So they may be in your organization now. Mm-hmm. In again, the bus, they're on the bus. Right. Not in the right seat, but but you know they're doing big things. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, that right seat is open, right? And that could be for a number of reasons. Because the wrong person got off the bus or the right person moved to their right seat. Right. Right? So I think of um, Katie, uh, one of our team members. I hired her in our East Berlin office. Um, January 4th was her start date of 2021. The, the epitome of right person on the bus, wrong seat. Phenomenal at the job she was hired for. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Did she love it? Not that much. Was that her best use of her skills? Not at all. Um, about six months in, we realized, hey, she's better utilized for a role we didn't even have. But we desperately needed because... She did it so well without actually being in that role. We created one for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I think of the sixth man, I think of your bench internally, externally, and developing to get them in the right seat on the bus. Got you. So Katie is a hire of yours? Katie was a hire of mine, yeah. What are some of the things that makes Katie successful in the new role she's in now? Yeah, so uh, I'll say this to, to anyone in any role in, on my team on in, in any business. Do, do your job really well and do the job you want really well at the same time. Sometimes you have to do it at the same time. And as small business owners know, you wear a lot of hats at the same time. Mm-hmm. Your team wears a lot of hats at the same time, right? You think about a basketball team going back to that. Sometimes I need Tyrese Maxey to score 38, yep. right? And Embiid might only have 18 or 19. There's nights I need Embiid to go off for 45 because Danny Green's not hitting his corner threes. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's times where you have to wear hats, but you need to do your hired job really well, and the job you want to do or get the promotion for, you need to start doing that or learning towards that really well. What a lot of people miss is, well, I don't want to be in this role. I, I just I, I want to I want that promotion. Right. So I'll start focusing on this, focus on the. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I I need this done today, right? And in doing so, find better ways to. To innovate and get things done. And that's what Katie did really well. Yes. She was hired as an account manager. She was a phenomenal account manager. Um, did a really great job um, learning. She didn't come from insurance. She got licensed first try. She learned our system, our um, agency management system, quickly. Mm-hmm. Got She got it really quick. 
and in doing so also found ways to make us more efficient, to work smarter, to really dive deep into our agency management system. And we started talking, hey, like, do you like this? I love this. I don't really like the account manager stuff, but like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I really like this. And we're like, okay, well, we have 64 team members who could probably benefit from this. Let's let's transition you into that role. Yeah. So you got to be able to do both. You got to do what you're hired for today and work towards tomorrow. Sounds like Katie has a really good attitude also. She does. She does. Yep. And, and that's how a lot of the team are. I, I mean, that we have... We have um, a team that, you know, we're still, we're getting big and we're big in the independent space for sure. But in the grand scheme of companies, we're still smaller. So sometimes we have to wear a lot of hats. And we have a wonderful team that cares about uh, doing their job and making our team better, being a part of the culture and helping each other out. So I have a a lot of Katie's on the team Mm -hmm. that that care and want to do a good job. This was a conversation that Ryan and I had years ago when I first, we're not, I'm not going to say the name of the place we worked, but um, you guys know that I'm a sales guy through and through. In my opinion, there's nothing more important in your business than sales. Marketing is not more important than salespeople. Operations is not more important than sales. There is nothing more important. Without sales, the business goes under. Your business can survive without marketing. Your business can solve without solid operations. It cannot survive without sales. Um, But one of the first things Ryan told me sitting in the interview, all right, I understand that you're a great salesperson. Please don't talk to me about sales. (laughs) 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 What else do you want to do here? And I really, I really, really wanted to move over into the wealth management portion of where we were. And he just, hey, all right, well, let me see what you can do as far as building relationships go. And that's kind of what we we worked on. I wasn't too bad at it, y'all. I wasn't too bad at it. He's being he's being very humble. He was excellent at it, <laughs> excellent at it, which is why I was one of my best hires. <laughs> now you know, saying that I wanted to move over into the wealth management side. Look look what I'm doing today. I, right now, this second, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, and I'm doing it on my terms. Um, let's switch gears for a second. What would you say? Because you've been in many leadership roles over you know, the past 15, 16 years. What, what would you say is the biggest mistake you ever made as the leader of a team? Yeah, so I, I touched on two of them briefly mm-hmm. um, throughout, throughout our time together. Uh, the, the biggest, the single biggest mistake was, um, was trying to avoid conflict. And trying to be liked versus respected. Mm, talk about that. I, I I'm naturally a relationship person. I love being around people. I get my relaxation in big groups. Let's go out. Let's grab a drink. Let's go grab some dinner. Let's go to a game. Let's just hang out on in the sun. Like just get me around people. That's how I find my relaxation and fulfillment. Yep. And that's also true in the professional space. I love being around my team. I love doing stuff with my team. Um, but early on in my in my career as a leader, I misconstrued the being liked versus being respected. I do care, uh, just because I'm wired that way. I do care if people like me. I have learned that I'd rather be respected 
you don't have to like me, but I would like for you, and I do need you to respect what my role is and respect that I can help you and want to help you and do care about you professionally and personally. If you mm -hmm. don't care about the personal part, that's fine. Let's at least know that like I'm, I'm in your corner professionally. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the biggest mistake early on is liked versus respected. Um, the other one that I touched on is some hiring mistakes of whether it's, it's great uh, experience but not the right person, personality, uh, fit, or, um, or just hiring to, to say, well, I can train them, I can get them in, I can get... I, the hiring, take, take your time. Take your time with hiring, if I can give any advice. Do phone interviews. Do face-to-face um, -face interviews. Do a couple rounds of it. Get your team involved. If you have a team, get your team involved. Have them sit with some key people. Have them sit with your point guard. Right? Have yes. them sit with people that you are, are, are naturally leaders in your business. Don't If you're the hiring person, don't just look at it through your lens. It goes back to diversity, right? Diversity of thought. Right, we have a, a pretty robust interview process at Element. We we go through a phone screen, a face to face, and then it's me depending on the level of role, it's meeting with at least one of the agency owners, if not both, and usually the team in that location beforehand. Right? We want to make sure that we hire slow and retain long. Right? So if I it goes an extra month to fill a role, but I know that person's not going anywhere. Anytime soon, I'm okay with that. That's that's very smart, right? I could fill I could fill the four open roles I have tomorrow, but I'm probably going to be rehiring for them in six months. Does it not save the company money by not having to do that? By not having to by not having high turnover. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about you know depending on the size and the scope, and you think about the cost of onboarding. Mm -hmm. And and what that what that cost is, I mean it could be, it, it could be, I mean six months, eight months before you break even on a new hire, and if that turnover is three months, six months, not I mean, yeah, I, I'd rather I'd rather go a couple extra months to find the right person than to constantly churn and get the wrong people in there. So yes, it, it's absolutely burning through money if you're if you're not retaining your team. Onboarding is expensive, y'all. Mm -hmm. For those of y'all who don't know, and I'm talking specifically again to the small and medium uh, sized business owners, onboarding is expensive. So whatever you need to do to not have high turn turnover, you need to do it. Uh, it's I think it's important for it's important for there to be rapport among the team members, independent of management. What are some tools that you use for building rapport among the team? Yeah. So I, I um, you know, there's some good professional tools. Uh, if you've invested in an HR management system, um, they usually have some tools, some assessments, some intentional one-on-one um, -on -one things that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, at Element had, have just rolled out um, a personality profiling tool for our entire team. And what I love about that is 
you know, we're, we're, it just went out actually two days ago. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, some of the leaders took it, some other folks took it, but the entire team now has it. And what I'm loving is that a lot of the team is finding out stuff about them. Yep. And, you know, I'm sure we've all taken some form of a personality profile. But what I love about it is under this circumstance, this is how you're wired to react. And some folks will be like, oh, so no wonder when, you know, a client gets upset with me, I shut down and I, I, it affects the rest of my day because of this category. What it also allows us to do is overlay uh, team member versus team member or uh, manager, leader versus team member to say, okay, I'm wired this way, you're wired this way. What happens when we interact together mm -hmm. in sales conversations, in service, in um, whatever? This is what our wiring will do when we talk, right? Because I'm pretty outgoing yep. and not all of my team is. So there's times where it's like, okay, Ryan, you're going to feel overbearing with this person because they just want to come in and do their work. Um, so it, it gives us a good idea to say, hey, if you're going to interact with this person, here's some better ways to do that. Um, building rapport, though, goes way beyond your HR system and your assessment and your personality profile. Right. I care um, if if Dave Ravel, who's one of our agency owners, is, listens to this. He'll he'll chuckle at this exact part. I go to bat for my team sometimes more than I should. I care about them um, a ton. Mm -hmm. I want to know what's going on in your kid's life. Right? When Deb's daughter just got accepted. Deb's one of our account managers in Westchester. Her daughter just got accepted and made her college decision a couple weeks ago. Nice. Deb came in beaming. You know, we've searched, we've gone and visited, she made her choice. Like, that's the stuff I care about, right? And I want our clients to take care of, to be taken care of. I want our business to grow, and it will. But it's not going to if our team doesn't have a purpose mm -hmm. and doesn't feel like, uh, you know, I just come in, I'm here eight hours, and I go, I, I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to support the things in your life. Um, you know, we're big on, on community stuff. Hey, if, you're, if your son or daughter's playing in the local basketball league or baseball league and they need a, a sponsor, let me know, right? I want, I want to be, we want to be a part of your lives. And that's intentional, you know, and it has to be. You know, once a year talking about culture and inclusion and building rapport on an assessment isn't going to do it. Right. Right, and I tell my team all the time, we, we do have two designated times throughout the year that we have one-on-one -on -one closed door time it's 30 to 45 minutes dedicated time we talk about your career we talk about what you want to do and really i leave it open to them if you want to sit there and talk about your pets and your kids the whole time <laughs> great i don't think it's the best use of the time for the job but i'll do it but that's dedicated time two times a year but i always start off and end by saying you know that my door is always open to talk about anything mm-hmm Life, career, anything, and I'll and I'll be in your corner. Don't give me a reason to not be in your corner. I think I've said that to um, the teams that we've been a part yes. of before. Oh, yes, but yeah. The thing is, I think you'll find that morale is typically higher when you when you're willing to do that. Hundred percent. And because morale is higher, higher performance is usually mm -hmm. higher too. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. It, nobody wants to come in here and work with a guy who doesn't care about him. Correct. Um, all right, so we just got a couple of more questions here. My next question is by far the most important question here. Um, you know, we're both college basketball fans. Tell me how long you've been, a, uh, you know, why, why are you a Duke fan, and how long have you been sick? I have been uh, what you would consider <laughs> sick for the better part of 31 years. Yes, I'm a Duke fan. Um, yes, I'm sad that Coach K is retired. UNC, baby. Yes, I'm sad that uh, the Tar Heels ruined the goodbye party in Cameron <laughs> and sent them home on the Final Four. Now, now that that's out of the way, the story of how I became a Duke fan is actually hilarious, in my mind. Five years old. Every team that I love to this day, uh, minus the Chicago Bulls because Michael Jordan was the best ever. Every team that I love today, I loved and have been supporting since I was five years old. My mom went to North Carolina. March of 91, we're watching Duke Carolina, Saturday mm -hmm. afternoon. Halftime comes. And afternoon game, dinner's coming up in a little bit. I say to my mom, hey, halftime, can I get out and grab a snack? No, we're going to eat dinner in a little bit. Let's just watch the rest of the game, then we'll eat dinner. Well, in typical five-year-old fashion, I throw the biggest temper tantrum, pounding on the floor, stomping my feet, flailing all over the place. And my end comment was, I'm never going to be a North Carolina fan. I'm going to cheer for Duke for the rest of my life. Now, it, it, it certainly helps as a five-year-old that the moment I said that, a month later they win a national championship. They're first under Coach K against Kansas. From there, I was hooked. Uh, what started off as, as me throwing a temper tantrum, I have been a huge Duke fan for my entire life. So, uh, that's, that's my story. Uh, I laugh every time I think about it. My mom and I have a good laugh at it, but um, there's, no, there's no program like that program. We'll stop there. <laughs> I mean, that is a great story, bro. But, you know, I hope you'll forgive me for saying boo. <laughs> I, uh, I do forget. I do. All right. Um, we, we're just about ready to wrap up here. Uh, I understand that you've got a fundraiser coming up. Yeah. Go on and take as much time as you need. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'll, I will. I'll be brief. But um, on the personal side and nonprofit sector, uh, I work with a camp, uh, Cedarbrook Camp in Pennsylvania. Um, I have been a part of the camp for the last 14, 15 years. Uh, my role in there, I'm on the board, but I am also the ministry partner specialist, so I work on fundraising and development. Um, we serve about 120 campers uh, for the summer, most of which are in uh, southern Delaware. Um, but we have a, a, our, our biggest fundraiser coming up in July, golf outing at a golf course in um, Atglen, so right outside of Honeybrook, Pennsylvania, at Moccasin Run. Uh, the fundraiser, uh, the, the big portion of the fundraiser goes to scholarships to our campers who uh, normally could not afford to come to camp. We set aside a good portion of those funds uh, so that they can attend camp and be there for the summer. So there's tons of opportunities for business sponsors, golfers. Um, Friday, June 24th, excuse me, yep, Friday, June 24th, 8 o'clock moccasin run. Um, I'm sure Steve will have some uh, details and taglines on, on how to 
reach out, but uh, we'd love to have as many golfers as we can. We had 100 last year, hoping to do 100 to 120 this year, and it'll be a fun a fun day on the course. Gotcha. So right now we're looking for sponsors. We're looking for, well, just tell the people how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so um, the, the easiest way is on our website, cedarbrookcamppa.org. Um, I'll throw out my email address too, which is Ryan underscore Silhan, S-I-L-H-A-N, at yahoo.com. Uh, I can answer any questions. Everything for golf is on our website under the golf section. It has registration details, sponsorship levels. Uh, my cell phone and my email address are on there too if you want to reach out to me. Uh, but we have... Um, really, really tiny support, and we have really, really big support and a lot in between. So if you think you're too small to support, you're not. If you think you're too big to support, you're definitely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we, we want to pack out the event, have a fun day, um, get a bunch of people out there for a good cause for the kids in this area. That's beautiful, man. Um, if I win the putting contest, could I get you to wear a UNC jersey while handing me the trophy? <laughs> Uh, if you if you win the putting contest, which is a five thousand dollar putting contest, oh I didn't mention that, a five thousand dollar putting contest to one of our lucky winners, mm-hmm. um, I would absolutely wear a UNC jersey uh, while giving you that big check. <laughs> All right, yo, we getting ready to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I really really hope that. You were able to get some value out of what Ryan said today. Uh, again, I'm always looking to connect with you guys on a different level. So listen to the previous episodes. Listen to this one. Uh, if there's any way that I can help you out, if you're a small business owner, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you're a business leader and I can help you in any capacity at all, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me via email. My email address is starmaker at myblackumbrella.com. Again, thank you all for listening. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day and be blessed. Thank you for attending the performance. And a special thanks to all those who helped with the show.